Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning. Good to be in God's house with God's people for this brand new year. I hope everyone's new year is going well. Mine started off a little rocky. I decided to put the Christmas uh, tree and everything, trimmings and everything back up in the attic yesterday. And as I was in my little crawl space attic and, and my daughter was helping, I was in the attic and she was pushing up the tree. I grabbed that tree and started pulling that thing up and all of a sudden, ah! Yes, my back went out in the attic. <laughs> started sweating profusely, still had three quarters of the stuff to put away and said, just put it up here, just let's get it up here, get it up here. And by the time I was done and got out of that attic, I could barely move. That's how my year started. Then I went to Dunkin', my favorite place on my way here this morning, and went to order my usual, bacon, egg, and cheese on a plain bagel toasted with butter. The first thing they told me is, they have no bacon. What? I rebuked that spirit of 2021. I said, this is a new year. Someone say, new year. And we're going to level up no matter what. My name is Rick Thompson. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are viewing us online. Again, Happy New Year. Now, we're beginning a series that we are calling Level Up. And if you're unsure of what that means, the technical definition of it is to enable a player or character to go up to a higher level, gathering more skills and strength. Let me say that again. To enable a player or a character to go up to a higher level, gathering more skills and strength. Now, this is a natural time of year where people are trying to level up in all sorts of areas. There will be New Year's resolutions, and most of them will have to do with either losing weight or gaining strength or something along those lines. Have you noticed the the advertisements on TV are Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers and, and workout places and stuff like that. And I'm not going to dedicate a whole message to that. I do think there is some good in, in doing that. I can, give it, I can give you the answer to that in a, just a few words. Food is fuel. Food is fuel. And so if you want to lose weight, you eat less, or you exercise more. That's basically, listen, don't send them the money. Send the money here. You don't have to go through all that. You eat less or exercise more. But there is some, you know, there's something to it. There's something to working out, the Bible says. In 1 Timothy 4, 8, it says, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. That's the NIV. I'm going to read the New Living. It says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Someone say much better. better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. And so what we're going to be talking about is 
training in godliness over the next few weeks, how to level up in the areas of godliness. And it speaks to, this level up concept speaks to and applies to everyone because no matter where you are, we can, we can and should examine what it takes to level up in at least six very important foundational areas of spiritual growth that I believe God would have us focus on at the beginning of this year, regardless of how things have started for you or not. Today, we're talking about the area of magnification. If you don't have an outline, let's raise your hand. Let's get one to you. Magnification is a fancy way of saying worship. Someone say worship with me. Now, before I tell you what worship is, I want us to just spend a minute or two on talking about what it isn't. Uh, worship is not just attending a worship service or tuning in to a worship service on a Sunday or a Wednesday. It's not just attending or tuning in. Worship is not just how loud you shout or clap or sing or dance when the worship team comes up here. A lot of people think that's worship and that's solely worship. It's not just about that. Worship is not just about the feelings you feel when you sing. There are some people who get Holy Ghost goosebumps and and the tears, and I'm not against any of those things. But it's not just about that. In fact, it's not about how it makes us feel at all or what we get out of it. True worship, it would seem that, that for some people, they're more concerned with what worship does for us than for the object of our worship. Folks, someone said it like this. That's like bringing a gift to a birthday party and keeping it for yourself. Don't raise your hand if you ever did that. You liked it so much, you just kept it to yourself. Listen, worship involves you, but it's not all about you. It's about him. Can I get an amen on that one? It's about who he is and what he's done and what he deserves. He is God. Jesus is God's son, the Lamb of God. The Bible says that takes away the sins of the world. Imagine that. I I preached the message last year that the greatest gift that you'll ever receive is the gift of Jesus Christ because because he took away every single one of our sins and the consequences for those sins of the world. Now, if he never does one other thing for us, how many know he's done enough? He's done enough. If he doesn't answer not one more prayer, doesn't make one more breakthrough, doesn't, doesn't heal one more person, he's done enough in what he's done. Now listen to me, regardless of what you're going through, he's done enough. Uh, no one is asking us to pretend, but whatever we're going through doesn't take away from what he, who he is and what he's already done. And until we see that, we're never really going to become a true worshiper of God, because you're never going to get out of what I call the me, myself, and I syndrome, because that says as long as everything's all right with the three of us, <laughs> the three of us, then I might offer up a song of praise, or I might offer up a prayer, but if things go out of whack, like they don't have my bacon on the way to church on Sunday, then I, all bets are off. Now, how many know that that's not true worship, nor are you a true worshiper if that's your mindset? When I think of a true worshiper, I think of a member of our church, and there are many members of our church that that are true worshipers, but this one particular, Carol Jernigan, who used to be with us many years ago, she, matter of fact, I think we have a picture of her. We went on a mission trip 
together with her. She's the one in the red dress in the middle. She also, we, we, we went to different places and we did VBS for the children and, and um, we just ministered to the kids. We told them about Jesus. He loved the Lord. Well, shortly after that mission trip, when we came back, um, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer. And as we, she, as she did what everyone does, they called the pastor, let's, went to the doctors, and they gave her, you know, you've got a certain amount of time. When we prayed as well, and we anointed her. And, and, and don't ask me, sometimes when we lay hands on people and we pray for them, they get better, and sometimes they don't get better. And it's not for us to say, you know, to God, which one are you going to heal or not? God called us to lay hands on people and to pray for them. Amen? Amen. And in that process, she steadily got worse. And she, as she got closer to her time, she asked if her, at the, during that period of time, I was covering the worship. And she knew I played, and she asked if I would bring my guitar over to her house while she was on her her deathbed. And as she was in her room, I brought my guitar and I started singing praise songs. Jesus, love of my soul. And in moments like these, and as the deer panted for the water. And as I got into the worship songs, her hands, as frail as she was, would go up. And she would start to worship Jesus in her frail condition. And even as a young pastor, it would blow my mind because I'm like, oh, my goodness. She's on her deathbed, and she's worshiping King Jesus. To me, that was an example of a true worshiper. And she ultimately received the ultimate healing because she went home to be with our Lord. In John 4.23, it tells us what God is looking for in John Jesus said, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. What is God looking for? Someone say a true worshiper. Someone say a true worshiper. And if God is looking for true worshipers, that would mean that there are also false ones. Would you agree with me on that? It means that there's a right way to offer praise and possibly could there be a wrong way. We got to know that not everything that happens in the world that goes under the guise of worship is true worship or even acceptable to God. Even if we think so, the scripture has a period in the time of Jewish history when Aaron's sons were were the ones who are supposed to be leading the worship in the church. And there was a particular type of worship God has, had established. And they decided to do it slightly different than what God had said. In Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1, it says, And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took, e- took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered, what's the word? strange fire, strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. 
Then Moses said unto Aaron, This is it that the Lord spake, saying, I will be sanctified in them that come nigh me, and before all the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Now, if you want to understand what just happened there, we, let's read it in the New Living. I, that was the King James Version. But this is what it said. It says, Aaron's sons, Nadab and Abihu, put coals of fire in their incense and burns and burners and sprinkled incense over them. And in this way, they disobeyed the Lord by burning before him the wrong kind of fire, the strange fire, different than he had commanded. The result, so fire blazed forth from the Lord's presence and burned them up, and they died before the Lord. Imagine that happening in a church service. Then Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord meant when he said, I will display my holiness through those who come near me. I will display my glory before all the people. And Aaron, his, their father, was silent. So not all so-called acts of worship are acceptable before the Lord. Certainly an, e an easy example would be, I mean, we already talked about just attending a worship, worship service or how long uh, or how loud you shout, but certainly an easy example would be a few years ago, the Muslim terrorists were doing what? Cutting off heads in the name of Allah, right? And they were calling it worship. They were saying what the Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, they found out what they were saying was praise Allah. They were offering these heads as an example for worship. Now, how many know that's warped and despicable? But you also hear in our country, in certain denominations, what's passing for worship, people barking like dogs or, or, or howling and stuff like that, and they claim it's worship. And my, my sentiment is, okay, if you say so. And those, again, might be easier to identify, but it's, 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 it's a strange fire. What's not so easy to identify is what's widely accepted as worship and, and, and is not, like, again, some of the ones we've already listed. But in addition to that list, let me tell you something. Worshiping in spirit and truth is more than anything that happens just here in church or on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday. The message translation of that verse gives us a clue as to what it really is and what God is looking for. In John 23, this is what the message says. But the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. Listen, it's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Can I say that again? It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father's out looking for, those who are simply and honestly themselves before him in their worship. And so according to that passage, what is worship? He said it. It's who you are. It's who you are. Genuinely. The real you. And the way you live. On a day to day basis. That count before God. It's bigger than a Sunday morning or Wednesday night prayer. What God truly considers spirit worship truth. Is how you walk. You're out your life before him. How many know that God sees all? Come on, somebody. He sees all. 
because you could be literally coming to church on Sunday, lifting holy hands, and on Monday with those same hands, abusing your, your, your spouse or your children. And God sees it. You, 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 you could be with those same hands, stealing from your boss or doing drugs. You could be shouting on Sunday at the top of your lungs with the worship team, but by Sunday night, shouting obscenities at the person who, who, who crossed you, you know, who cut you off in traffic. Come on, somebody, don't raise your hand. On Sunday morning, you could be dancing a jig, but by Tuesday, those same feet could be dancing to a local bar or a strip club or a porn shop and then right back on Sunday morning doing the dance again in church. Touch somebody, turn to them and say, that's not true worship. That's not true worship. God is looking for true worshipers, those who will worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, their proclamation, what they say, will match, it, will match their proclivities, what they do or natural t- tendency to behave in a particular way. That's a fancy way of saying their walk and their talk will line up before a holy God. It's quiet in here. I know it's a new year, but I need to hear some feedback. Come on, somebody. I need to know somebody's listening this morning. Amen. God wants our walk and our talk to line up. If it don't line up, we may be offering strange fire. Strange fire before our holy God. That's what Paul was talking about when he said in Romans 12, 1 and 2, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your bodies, your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship, your spiritual act of magnification. Then he goes on to say in verse 2, do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. What is our spiritual act of worship according to the Apostle Paul? He says it's to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Now listen to me. Turn to your neighbor, your other neighbor, and say it's time to level up. It's time to level up. It's time to move to the next level in this area. You you, you can't do that until and unless you figure out what it means to be a living sacrifice. Now, we all know what the word sacrifice means. It's associated with death. And a lot of people will get to that place where they say, well, Lord, I would do anything for you. I will, I will go anywhere for you. I will die for you. And the Holy Spirit comes back and says, I don't want you to die for me. I want, I've already done that for you. What I want you to do is to live for me. Come on, somebody. I want you to live for me. Yet, he, again, he calls us a living sacrifice because there are some things that we are supposed to die to, sin, self, selflessness, and some things we're supposed to live toward. First Peter breaks it down for us this way in chapter 2, verse 24. He said, personally, he, he personally carried away our sins in his own body, on the cross, so that we can be what? Dead. 
so that we can be dead to sin. And if we're dead to sin, he wants us to do what? To live for what is right. He wants us to die to sin and to live for what is right. And then he says, you have been healed by his wounds. Because of what Jesus did, he gave us an opportunity to have a brand new life in him, not to go continue in the old way of doing things. That's strange fire. He calls us to die to that, but to start to live in a new way of doing things, to live for what is right. The message says it this way. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so we could be rid of sin, free to live the right way. His wounds became your healing. How many know that we don't have to continue in the old way of doing things? Amen? When we daily die to sin, we're on our way to becoming a living sacrifice. Now, that's lived out, listen to me, at our work. It's lived out in the marketplace. It's lived out at our schools and especially in our homes. Paul admonishes husbands to love their wives. And then he tells us how we're supposed to love our wives. He says, I want you to love your wife like Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? He gave his life for the church. He, gave, he was a sacrifice for the church. So when the wife starts to complain about the garbage being taken out, and I've been guilty of this, or the honeydews that are supposed to be done, uh, or the fact that when you're, you're, you're married now, but you're still living like you're single, come on, guys, how do you respond? I'm, I'm not seeing a bunch of this going on. Come on. Now. That's good. And, and, and as far as I'm concerned, that works both ways. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom now, and then dad comes home, or, or, or the husband comes home, and, and he's hungry, and he says, Honey, can you please fix me a, a plate? Fix it yourself. Folks, to live sacrificially means you're no longer living and breathing and operating with just you in mind. You are doing what you're doing with God and others in mind. Pastor Rick said, I mean, someone said, Pastor Rick, why others? Why do I have to consider others? Why can't I just live for God in my life? Well, 1 John 4.20 says, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. John 13.35, by this all men will know that you are my disciples. Help me, somebody. If you, if you, it's getting weak in here. Man, I know it's cold. I know it's a new year. I know some of you guys were out late. But I want to hear it out loud. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. First Peter 4, 8, above all, love each other deeply because, well, help me, someone, love covers over a multitude of sins. Anybody get in the picture? In other words, the way we express our love toward God is seen and reflected in how we treat each other. You cannot say you love God and hate your brother. You cannot say I love God and I don't want nothing to do with the people around me. It's impossible. There's more to this thing called worship 
than just singing and clapping and showing up on Sundays. In fact, unless we get this, we're never going to realize God's will for our lives. Again, look at that verse one more time. Romans 12, 2, 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And I always like to ask, does anybody want to level up this year? Does anybody want God's will for their lives? I know I do. I, I, I like the way the message puts it because it's, it's our key verse for this morning's message. It says it, so here's what I want you to do. God helping you take everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, readily recognize what he wants from you, and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down. What does it say? Always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. What does it say the culture is always trying to do? dragging us down to its level, trying to get us to react to its level of the culture. It's constantly trying to divide us and to, and to, and to, and to put you know, walls between us. If they can't divide us among you know, political lines, it tries to divide us among racial lines, it tries to divide us. It's constantly trying to divide us. Now it's, you know, Vax versus unvax and mask versus unmasked, folks. That's leveling down. That's what the world is trying to do. But it goes on to say that God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. In other words, God is asking us not to level down, but to level up. And the way we level up is by making a commitment particularly at the beginning of this year, that I am going to not just focus on the physical, that has some measure, but godliness is better, amen? Amen? And I am going to do the things that I need to do to become a true worshiper. Are you a true worshiper? Do you come to the table of praise and worship with what's in it for me, is your view of worship so narrow that it's all about what's happening on this platform? And your view is, if they just play my song, I would get here, or I would enjoy it better, or, I, or, or I'm just going to stand here, or I'm going I'm to wait till, until it's over. Or worse, there are some people who base their selection on church solely on the worship. I'm going to go find a church where I like the worship and the worship pleases me. Listen to that drummer. He's so loud. Uh, the music is so long. Is your idea of worship solely about what's going on and what it means for you? Or do you finally understand this concept that we were planned for God's pleasure? We were planned 
for God's pleasure to magnify him. And though it may include singing and shouting and even dancing and possibly even silent reflection, I strongly encourage that sometimes. But more than that, worship, worship is how you're living, not just here, but outside the four walls of this church. Are you a true worshiper? Because that's what the Father is looking for. A living and loving sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him. That is your daily act of worship. Is it carrying into your home, at your school or at your work? Does it reflect in your politics, in the way you vote or who you support? And I always say vote the Bible. Does your worship carry over to the times when no one else is looking except God? Sometimes I'll go into that prayer room and that prayer room was a special place for when the, when the Lord gave us this building and it was many years ago, almost 18 years ago now. And the Lord prophesied that, that a building was going to be given to us as a church. And this one particular lady, Osi, she went home to be with the Lord. She's home to be with the Lord. But back then, she was the first one to give me the word that I see someone handing you the keys to a building. And within one year, someone handed us the keys to this building. And so I went through my Rolodex and I, to find her number, to let her know, to call her up and say, to let her know that it, it, it indeed happened. But while we were here, we, we started walking around and everything was done. We had sound systems and we had chairs and we had buildings and God had done what he said he was gonna do. And at some point we started walking around and we went to that prayer room where I go in there and I offer my worship to God. And someone asked me, Pastor Rick, what are you gonna do with this room, this little prayer room? It's, it's smaller than, it's about half the stage. I said, I don't know, I think we'll turn it into an office. And one of the dear ladies said, no, Pastor Rick, you can't turn it into an office. I said, no, I'm just kidding. This is the prayer room. This is where we're going to meet the Lord. And so we went about, and a week later, I'm calling up OC on the phone. And I say, hello, this is OC. This is Pastor Rick. Hey, Pastor Rick. I said, you remember that word you gave me a year ago that someone's going to hand me the keys to a building? Yes, I, I remember, Pastor Rick. I said, OC, I'm sitting in that building. And she started going off in the spirit like only a spirit, fair black woman can do off in the spirit, right? <laughs> right? She started praising and worshiping. And then, and then all of a sudden, she, she said, Pastor, you haven't seen anything yet. Your best years are ahead of you. And then all of a sudden, she stopped. I said, oh, so you still there? She said, yes, Pastor Rick. I, 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 she said, the Lord just spoke to me again. I said, what did he say? He said, the Lord said to tell you, now mind you, I hadn't seen her in a year. The Lord said to tell you to keep 
the prayer room a prayer room. I said, O.C., tell the Lord I was just kidding. <laughs> it's been 18 years. And guess what? That prayer room is still a prayer room. And we go in there and we will offer worship and praise. Do you go into a quiet place and just offer him worship and praise? Because if he's done nothing else for you, he's done enough. Come on, somebody. And he deserves our worship. And like I said at the beginning, he's not asking us to die for him. He's asking us to live for him. To die to sin and self, yes, but to live your life outside these four walls as living sacrifices. Jesus already did the dying for us. Are you living, are you living a life of a true worshiper? It's time to level up in Jesus' name. Now, if you've not yet accepted Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, it will be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of commitment to him. That's your first act of leveling up this year. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and say something like this from your heart. Heavenly Father, I come before you and I acknowledge my need for a savior. I acknowledge that I am a sinner and that Jesus came and sacrificed himself on the cross to take away my sins. Help me, Lord, to die to the sins that he died to set me free of and to live for what is right and what, and what is righteous, not just inside the church on a Sunday service, but outside the church, in my home and at my work and in the workplace and at my school. Help me to level up in all these areas. Fill me with your spirit, with your power, and with your love. From this day forward, I commit and recommit my life to you. In Jesus' name, I pray. And we all said, Amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.